Okay. If the title of this episode didn't already trigger some big emotions or bad memories, I will warn you now, this one is going to get a little messy. Unrequited love. If you haven't personally experienced it, you have definitely watched it. TV and movies glorify this dynamic. If you rewatch some old teen drama shows or romantic comedies from the 90s, there seem to be only two plots that we were raised on. One being badly timed, unreturned feelings. And the second one, consistent, grand miscommunications. And this chapter has both. So have you ever had feelings for someone that you kept to yourself for years and then you kind of share it at a weird time and it doesn't really go very well? Yeah, me neither. I'm Riley and you're listening to Everything But Love. A story about the year I spent falling in love or trying to figure out how. Listen in on the uncomfortable questions I ask myself and others about what it means to be truly ready for love and at peace in its pursuit. Okay, here is the wise, intellectualized perspective of this uncomfortable situation that I found myself in, which is only possible because I'm talking about it one year later. So there's this theory that I had heard about around needing to create space in your life for the things that you want. This idea that we have finite energy that we can invest in relationships and hobbies and careers. And to put it into physical perspective, it's like saying, if you have a closet full of old clothes, there's no room for any new ones. In a relational sense, it's like if you spend all your time investing in friendships that drain you, you won't have any room for people that enrich your life. And if you're still entertaining texts with your ex, you get the point. And personally, I thought I'd dealt with this pretty well. My relationships were ultimately positive and I was spending less time in places where I was finding myself complaining or drained. But I kind of had this gray area, a friendship of mine that by all accounts was just that, a very positive friendship. And it was subtle, really, the way that I was holding a little emotional space at different points in time, wondering what if about our relationship. Now, I'm going to do my best to retell this very truthfully from my in those moments perspective and then share his version in the moment and then as I do, try to tie it all together and explain what the heck was happening and what we both think and feel about it now. Okay, let's set the scene. Who is this? Why are they important? First, he's arguably one of my biggest podcast fans. Perhaps the first listener each week waiting for this to air. Second, and he will cringe when he hears this. We met just after university where at the time he had a bit of a reputation for being the guy that girls wanted to date and boyfriends would be intimidated by. He's one of those people you start learning things about and you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I know a lot of people that are smart and funny and attractive. When you get into the territory of being like humble and able to laugh at yourself and like curious about other people and getting the most out of life, it's just, you know, like, where are your flaws? So let's talk about those. <laughs> Kidding. We've joked that we probably wouldn't be friends if I met him much earlier or in a different context. So there's an endearing character arc here. We got to know each other through a job. And shortly after, he moved to another country, got a girlfriend, 
I got a boyfriend. Life just kept rolling on. But we had a similar outlook and interest in kind of analyzing our lives and relationships as it happens. Both love talking about psychology. So we kept in touch over the years. And by the time I was making this big move across the country, we talked most weeks. He's always been really supportive and I feel disproportionately impressed with the things that I'm doing. But I honestly feel the same way about all of his accomplishments. So we really just gas each other up. And perhaps it's not surprising that given my history with unavailability, that there were feelings that I'd pushed down. But they were getting harder to ignore as I started talking to everyone around me about their relationships and sharing more about mine. But there was no real catalyst, no sensical event or reason for me to bring this thing up other than I was planning this big hiking trip to Patagonia, which would be the most challenging physical thing that I ever did. And I made this little pact with myself that when I was hiking, the only weight I would be carrying would be physical, that damn backpack. And I knew at that time that no matter where we were or who we were with, we were going to be a part of each other's lives, which is great and should not have been a problem. But there are three things about me that are not compatible. My imagination, anxiety, and a compulsion to tell the truth. Okay, now let's bring forward this neurotic ghost of my past. I kept having this vision, I swear, of us sitting in a really nice kitchen, probably mine, having dinner with our respective spouses. And, you know, the conversation just jokingly goes to how long we've known each other and been friends. And I just suspect a question from someone, probably my partner, about whether we've ever dated in all these years. Easy. No, we never cross that line. If they were curious, like me, they'd ask, yeah, but did you ever think about it? Did you ever want to? And then I got stuck because I would never lie. Does he know that you ever felt that way? Nope. Why? Well, it just never made sense to share. Huh. How would that truth sit with either of us? Now, they probably wouldn't care, right? Not only would I be admitting that I'd been harboring some suppressed feelings for my best friend, but also that they just never came up. And of course... It wouldn't matter because I didn't feel any of them anyways now, but it still would have been a secret. And even more unsettling that my friend would probably be the last person to know that any of this had crossed my mind. And so to the events that follow, I blame an overactive imagination. I blame future anxiety. I blame all those rom-coms. I even blame Julia Roberts because she set the expectation that as long as I didn't wait until someone's wedding, it wouldn't be that bad to say how I feel. You know, and an encouraging friend at this point would say something like, oh, but how do you, you know, how would you know? You just have to, you just have to tell them how you feel. You know, they're going to understand. You never know. They might've felt the same way. Well, I did. And he didn't. And here's a recording. It's so bad that I took because I was in the throes of recording all of my, all of these emotional conversations in my life. So I thought, why not record one of my own after the first time I tried to tell him. I don't know who I thought I was, that I could do this and that, you know, the courage would come to have these difficult conversations. It came out like nonsense. I'm afraid I can't take any of this back. 
it's already in motion and it's never going to be the same. Why did I have to do this? It's making it a bigger deal than it is. And I know that. That's why I feel like I'm crazy because I can't just talk about this the way that someone not dramatic and emotionally avoidant, I feel like a coward. And like, this is just silly and stupid, but I feel like I owe it to that girl who was too afraid to say anything because she never felt good enough to be chosen. Yikes. So what happened? Why did that not feel cathartic at all? Was it what I said? How I said it? How did I say it? Clumsily is the answer to that. Poorly, with 50% honesty and 50% still trying to save face and avoid outright rejection. Let's call it a baby step. Imagine this long, frustrating call, and that's just our normal chat. And then when it was already past time to wrap things up, picture me squeaking out that, oh, by the way, next time we chat, I need to tell you something kind of serious. This is not good or bad. It's just, it's just something. And have you ever had someone that you know tell you they want to tell you something and you just let that go? Well, he definitely will now. Because then, without any planning, minimal rehearsal, (laughs) I start trying to explain that I'm in this stage of my life where I'm seriously looking to be in a relationship. Not with him, but I feel like my future partner might be intimidated by our relationship. And I think we need to talk about that. So I'm already blaming shit on my future husband, number one, and disassociating from my own feelings, number two. And if you haven't noticed, I didn't say anywhere in there why they should be intimidated. Or maybe I said, you know, we're so close. Someone might misconstrue our relationship for more than friends. Not me, but someone else. So, you know, like, what would you say to that? (laughs) Honestly, that would have been a way smoother way to tiptoe around what I was trying to say. It, It did not come out that smooth. Surprisingly, you know, he was confused. Uh, I know. How could he not understand? It was so clear. If you remember me saying a while back that we as humans, me included, are poor historians, as in we can't remember very accurately the details of our own lives, uh, I decided to ask, you know, what he remembered so that I can give you a more honest account. And it was something like this. He said, I was saying, our friendship was great, but I was afraid it was getting in the way, at least for me, of a future relationship. That it was taking up a space that I needed to, you know, redirect in order to have this space to meet someone else. And while I see what I was trying to do there, I definitely understand why it felt like to him, I was saying, this friendship is crossing a boundary. You've been stopping me from meeting someone and getting in a relationship. And therefore we need to change something. I need to change something. Like, I'm going to see you later. So at the time, he was taking it as a personal criticism, and I was preparing for him to friend dump me, essentially. So he had this mixture of defensive, blindsided friend who has no idea what I'm talking about, and deflated, afraid me, who entered this conversation after years of self-rejecting and repressed feelings that I was still not willing to own up to. 
Needless to say, it didn't end well. In fact, we didn't speak for over a month afterwards. And after a few weeks of not knowing what to do next, I had a chat with my therapist and I explained, you know, what happened. And I insisted that I wouldn't under any circumstance take their advice because I know they don't like to give prescriptive advice, but out of pure curiosity, did they think I should reach out to clarify what I was trying to say? And they said, no, (laughs) no, I shouldn't. That if I had, you know, shared those vulnerable feelings, that was enough. And, you know, I, I could just rest easy knowing like I had been totally honest, right? And since I promised that I wouldn't take their advice and because I knew that the way that I had explained it so clearly to my therapist, none of that was delivered on my first attempt. I decided to reach out and try again. And because he's such a great friend and knows me so well, he suggested that, you know, maybe I wanted to write something down instead of trying to say it on the phone, which was perfect. You know, I was able to reread what I wanted to say and catch all the spots that I was still trying to protect my ego and communicate what I'd actually felt, which was that in the past, I'd felt and wondered if we could be more than friends, period. But other than a clear reciprocal, you know, deep connection and admiration for the other person, I had no idea if he'd ever thought the same. And I felt like if there was any time to get those feelings just out in the open, it was before either of us got into another relationship. And by the time I read something like, see you as a sister, yeah, that wasn't great. But it was not nearly as bad as I imagined. Are you kidding? That is what is so dramatic and selfish about this whole thing, is that I'd let the fear of something cause me to condemn my feelings, hide them from someone I cared about, and create this big, scary story, all because I couldn't bear the thought of my feelings, what, being laughed at? Because I didn't even accept them? And that's the real heartbreak in this story, is self-rejection. Here's some timely advice from a different friend going through a similar realization I met someone recently, and it feels different. It's not so much that the relationship is different or that this person is different, although of course they are. It's more that I've been showing up in a new way. This relationship started a bit unconventionally. We met online, and she lives in a different province. We talk over text, phone calls, video chats, and we've developed strong bond. And at a certain point, we both decided that we wanted to meet in real life. Definitely a bit risky. You get a certain picture of someone, but it's different than seeing them in real life. Would I be what she expected? Would she be what I expected? Will there still be the same feelings when she shows up on my door? And I think in the past, the level of risk involved here in terms of being rejected would have just set me for a tailspin. The uncertainty around all of it would have been unbearable almost. This time was different. I just felt peace. Even considering that it could crash and burn, that she could show up and maybe she would reject me. Maybe she wouldn't like me. And for some reason, that didn't instill the same type of fear that I'd felt in the past. I had this image standing next to myself, our arms interlocked, tightly gripping my other self. And I said, I'm not going to leave you. In fact, if you get rejected, 
If anything, I'm just going to hold on tighter. And this idea that we don't get to be someone else, we don't get to trade ourselves in for a new model, and that really we're all that we have, that really hit me. It hit me that so much of the fear and the pain is that if we get rejected by someone, that we turn right around and reject ourselves, that we abandon this other person, this other self of ours. And so really, if you commit to not doing that, if you just hold on tighter, nothing in a certain way can hurt you at that point. You know, someone's rejection, someone's disapproval, none of that really matters if you don't let go of yourself. I can happily report that I actually know the feeling my friend is talking about. It just took me doing the opposite to figure it out. So does this feel worth it now? Uh, I guess so. The way I can see it now that feels right to me is that I was trying to honor a past part of myself that rejected my feelings to such a degree that all I felt was shame around them. Shame that caused me to hide feelings for years, to dramatically deny them if anyone asked, and to let this story persist in my mind, really only ever wanting to feel seen. Shame that convinced me that my friend would be upset or angry with me, that he'd be shocked and feel betrayed, that I had somehow lied and was only friends with him because I had some delusion that we would be together. Shame that convinced me it was crazy for someone who clearly admires, respects, and loves a lot of things about me could ever have had romantic feelings for me. How sad is that? So the gift that this gave me and that my friend eloquently put in his story was realizing how self-rejection is so much more damaging and hard to recover from than the rejection that we fear from others. And finally, the last gift it gave to me was the satisfaction of doing the absolute scariest thing I could have imagined myself doing at that time. So by now, I'm feeling pretty free and fearless and curious about you know, what was about to fill this new space that I've created. This is my first podcast and creative project. So if you want to follow along and hear some behind the scenes details on what's gone into creating this, you can join my Substack where I'll send out an email with each episode. If you'd like to send me your own love note, you can find me on Instagram at everythingbutlove. And of course, the old leave a review and subscribe feels like a virtual hug. So... If you're in the mood to spread some love, do that. I'm Riley, and you've been listening to Everything But Love. Till next time.